So how we do it is I'll say three, two, one, record. We all hit record at the same time. Yeah, on hit three record on or Destiny. before three or after three? What do we do it on three? I'll just go <laughs> three, one. <laughs> hey, I just did us all a favor. Mm-hmm. You did us all? No, I just muted Glenn because he's being annoying. Oh. <laughs> I love being Thanks. hosts. Thank you. <laughs> Hello, my friends. Thank you for joining us for the PEPCAC podcast weekly information security show featuring some all-around good people it is week 45 of 2023 i'm chris louis and is it just me or is it getting dark early now with me i have my that's how seasons work with me i have my co-host the vanilla gorilla who will no longer be in the same time zone as me when this episode comes out that's very true that's right we don't move around i don't i just stick to mountain time zone but you're the one that is, is it a giant inconvenience having to set your clocks back or forth or whatever it is upside down it's pretty automatic on my phone i don't have to do anything i hate it in the spring I, i've heard uh, by the way in the spring that there's a higher incidence of heart attacks because of it and then in the fall there's a lower incidence of it. is that because you like you get an extra out. hour to sleep in yeah you get that extra hour so you get a bit more rest you you're wouldn't think late. one hour would make a difference what, what does that mean for jet lag it must be awful one hour is awful it's just one hour well if one if one one hour has a has like a low double digit impact on heart attack rates imagine what a six or seven hour jet lag does to to the human body not to mention dehydration right yeah pressure changes on that gloomy note how's everyone doing I thought we would change the law on that. I guess it didn't pass somewhere. Something was I think it passed. passed the House, but not the Senate here, and it's just been stuck. So it's I, a con- it's I, a conspiracy. It's for sure a yeah, conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. So everyone's busy trying to abolish the Second Amendment, but we should be getting rid of daylight savings time first. You can pry the daylight savings times out of our cold day. Totally yet. agree. Totally agree. <laughs> and it's worse in Indiana, Indiana, right? Indianapolis is, is different from everything around it. I That's think so, like, yeah. The one city, yeah. The one city. Instead of the whole state. And we have Glenn Medina, who all of a sudden became a bandwagon Mark Cuban fan. I hate the guy. What are you talking about? Yeah, you just supported him Cuban? by attending his uh, his basketball game, though. True. It was good. Uh, it, it was very awesome event. Uh, the Dallas Mavs won, even though I was kind of, don't tell you anything, I was actually cheering for the Bulls uh, quietly. Um <laughs> But what's cool was the after the game, it just timed with the end of the World Series, and we ended up watching the end of the World Series uh, on the giant screen inside of the American Airlines Center, which was hmm. pr- pretty sweet. Pretty and sweet. If you're an D-backs fan, it was just the end of the world because it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Is that you? Not yeah. a Rangers that... fan, Brian? No. Uh, I couldn't even tell you who the Diamondbacks were playing against, but I do know that I just want my the local team to always win. Yeah, go local team. Yeah. Well, can't all be winners, Brian. True. By definition. Yeah. Someone yeah. has to lose. Someone's got it. Someone has to lose. Not everyone gets medals and, and trophies. Nope. Our guest this week is Sam Curry, the most distinguished guest we've had on the show. We are really? glad to have you back. Well, thank you for having me, guys. It's good to be here. Honored. You might be here. one of the few guests that we've had that actually has a patent, I believe. I don't think. No, we have you any. have to have had more. 
That's not true. Uh, the smoke, the smoke screen guy, right? Does he? Yeah, he's, he's here one, of yeah, okay. one of the few. One of the few. One of the few. Then one of the few. Yeah. I have a few. Of like them. The, yeah, you're like the Marines. The few, the proud. I like it. That's right. That's right. It's not like I make money off those. By the way, I had to assign them to everywhere I worked. Yeah. Oh, he gets bragging rights after a while. No, no royalties from that. It's not like nope. a recording label or a movie or anything like that. Oh no, nothing like that. That kind of sucks. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Some of it, some of it's like authentication stuff that, you know, how are you going to actually track that? Somebody Art. does. Someone Somebody somewhere. Does. Well, no. The thing yeah. is, most of these. So patents are used for three things. I don't think if this is what you want to talk about. One is you can go and sue people, and that's not a good idea. The other one is you can defend against being sued. And the last one is you can barter with them. So you can trade. I'll use your patents. You use mine. But I'm I'm not really a corporate entity and I don't own those patents. But the most important one is actually defense. And, and they certainly were useful in fighting patent trolls for a long time. So a little tangent. But there you go. We, so no, no royalties. We've had our fair share of patent trolls, I think, at some of uh, the organizations we've worked at over the years. Although yeah. I, do, I do like... When I'm deposed and those patent trolls don't don't can't stand up to it, so yeah, that's delicious. <laughs> I like, like Cloudflare. You like that? Where they they said you know we could settle for this, but we'll spend more money fighting this than settling it just to invalidate the patents and do the world mm. a good deed. Yeah, and and that is a good deed. You know, it's uh, those that those that buy patents to make money, basically putting people on the torture rack. I have no time for. And yeah. if they're not going to commercially do something with it, uh, no, thank you. No sympathy. Hmm. Combined. There we yeah, go. Decades. Nice, strong opinion right at the start. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going I'm to patent breathing air and then just try to enforce that. Yeah. You know, you I'm might like, get that. Uh, I'm being cynical, but uh, sometimes you look at patents and go, huh? And then other ones, they're real, they really get a solid grilling on. And you're like, wow, that, that patent examiner knew what they were doing. Uh, oh, gosh. It depends. Yeah. Combined, we have decades of information security experience in here, not just to educate, but to entertain. We've got at least two awesome stories for this week, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. This week, we're going to talk about a global agreement on ransomware and the U.S. SEC taking enforcement action against SolarWinds. I believe these two stories will likely occupy our entire time this week, so let's get started. For our first topic, fear not, for the world has figured out how to deal with the ransomware problem. Just ban paying the ransoms. This week, an alliance of 40 countries pledged not to pay ransoms if they become the victim of a ransomware attack during the third annual International Counter Ransomware Initiative Summit in Washington, D.C. The hope is to disrupt the money flow of these criminal organizations, and the thought is, if ransomware is no longer profitable, it will cease to exist. In the 10 years between 2011 and 2021, the U.S. Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, also known as FinCEN, identified up to $5.2 billion worth of crypto payments sent to suspected ransomware groups. Now remember, back in 2019, more than 225 mayors here in the U.S. pledged not to pay the ransom if their city came under ransomware attack, and look how well that turned out. How do you think the uh, cybersecurity insurance companies feel about this? Are they just like... Damn it! Now I can't sell them, or are they just like we're tired of paying it. This is a great well, thing. Like I don't know. 
Well, you know, the uh, part, of, part of the reason you get cyber insurance isn't just to pay the ransom. It's also to deal with the damage caused with the recovery. Right, so there's like yeah, a lot of other costs go with it. Yeah, way and, more than the 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 actual ransom is the recovery. And, and if you track public spending by municipalities, your point was a really good one there. By the way, uh, the 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 spending on cyber didn't go up, but the spending on insurance did, as ransomware went up. So in other words, it was. I, I don't know the reason, but if you look at the data, they weren't saying, oh, we just had ransomware incidents and we're more at risk. Let's go get better at cyber. It was like, no, let's cover the risk by just having more money in reserve. And so to some extent, that should push more money into into uh, improving cyber. But I'll believe it when I see it kind of thing. And nobody ever has money for cybersecurity until they get hosed. Then it's all of a sudden the pocketbooks open up, right? You know, like, and, but, there's a light, but, but there's a window for that, right? Yeah. There's, there's a window of you can get away with stuff and you both have to use it and not abuse it. Uh, I know after the RSA breach, we EMC, we, 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 we started to do VDI and stuff back in the day. Um, but nobody liked it. So we were developing you know, ways to work around it and stuff. And I remember we were on a call for architects and the architect, one of the architects said uh, at six months in, he goes, um, I'll try to watch my language here. But uh, he basically said, why are we doing this? And he goes, don't give me that, you know, security blank because I understand it now. He goes, uh, don't just tell me I have to do it for security. And then I knew that the, the, the best before date had expired on that on that incident. Never let a good crisis go to waste. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. This this sounds eerily similar to that quote that we use that says, uh, "Paying a fine means legal for a fee." It's like mm. the same thing. It's 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 like yeah, ransomware is okay. We'll just buy more insurance and we'll just pay out when when it hits instead of actually fixing the actual problem, which is poor cybersecurity hygiene. I can't yeah, remember. I if feel... it was, uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Brian. Uh, this is going to bring the whole podcast to a screeching halt, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it has nothing Excellent. to do with what we're talking about, as always. But I, like, I had the same, like the same, like with like flying drones in places that I'm not allowed to fly them. Everyone's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, you're going to get fined." I'm like, "No, that's just a toll. I'm willing to that's pay right. the toll, right?" You know, the parking this, ticket is the cost of parking, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, so they they was this exper- they, they did this experiment. I think it was in in Israel. And I can't remember if I read about it in Freakonomics or Tipping Point, but it was one of the two where they started to charge people when they were late to pick up their their kids to see if uh, that yeah. would yeah. make them pick them up faster. But it actually made it worse because suddenly there was a price for picking up your kids where before there was shame in not picking up your kids. Yeah, they weren't like they weren't they weren't charging enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was like that was oh, yeah, it's, right? it's just this that amount of so many shekels to leave them there longer. It's a babysitting service now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I, yeah, it was Freakonomics. I think I wasn't sure if it was yeah. Tipping Point, but yeah. Yeah, but I mean, banning payments, it's a nice hand-holding exercise, and it's nice to to show everybody this piece of paper we signed. In reality, I don't think it's entirely practical. We've talked about it before on the show that some companies, if they were not allowed to pay the ransom, they just would not exist. So Garmin, the NAV manufacturer, they make watches, they make GPS units, they would not exist if they weren't allowed to pay the ransom because they came out and said, Mm. we have no backups. We, We have to pay. In fact, um, I, I think the company was called Nordic Cloud. I might have it wrong. There was a company um, in uh, in Europe that recently didn't pay and went out of business, as did two of their clients. Um, it's that, savage, that, but but there it was are a actually, hosting service, wasn't it? I think right. it was in Denmark. Yeah, that's yeah, right. They didn't pay and they had no backups, or the backups were encrypted. 
and their clients also went out of business. But but it's already illegal to pay in some circumstances. So you you can't pay if it's a terrorist organization, for instance. Um, and it's generally not a. Well, yeah, really. I mean, like, <laughs> why we name our group Hamas? Yeah, really. <laughs> Told you it was a bad. Even with two M's, it's a bad name. You know, like it's, a, it's, it's hummus. It's hummus, not hummus. <laughs> oh gosh, here we go. <laughs> Someone, we're getting hate mail. But um, now the um, so that's one. But uh, you also can't do it if it's a criminal organization. Like, but but what does that mean, right? I mean, it's all hidden behind all sorts of stuff. So if if they're stupid about it, uh, you can't verify most of that stuff. Um, but part of the problem is that uh, companies still have to make risk-based decisions like this. And if you don't, they're going to find ways to pay. And, and another, another really important point is, is that um, if, if you're a company and you're paying to make it go away, that's not going to work. It's going to become public knowledge whether you pay or not, right? So, so why are you paying? It has to be to continue operations. There are rules that you really don't want to flout about disclosure, certainly not in the United States. Uh, other countries, it might vary. But uh, um, it, the risk equation is becoming clearer to some extent. And it doesn't sound like when you pledge that there's penalties. Oh, oh dear. We're, we're going to be shamed a bit. But uh, I, think, I think this is a best effort thing. And if it's existential, somebody probably won't at some point. Yeah. So, yeah, so what's your take then on? So, what, what was your take then on it between MGM and what was the other one? That, Caesar's. The other yeah. One that, I was gonna Caesar's. Up. Yeah. Yeah. Caesar's, Caesar's paid. MGM didn't. Fifteen million. Yeah. MGM did not pay, and they got hit with one hundred and ten million. Well, I always want to hear the rationale, but uh, when someone doesn't, I do a little cheer internally for, you know, basically sticking it in the face of these people. Uh, you want to hit them in the business model. You want to tell them to go, you know, go f yourself. That I so I, I'm always happy when that happens to some degree. I hate that they suffer, but part of me goes, good job, right? And and my esteem of the team that made that tough decision goes up somewhat. The contrary is not necessarily true because it can be a very difficult decision to pay this, um, and and it's not like they get away with 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 no damage here. They, it's a tough tough call, and you know. They probably didn't want to pay it, is what I'm going to say. But um, my advice is if you can't, don't pay it. Um, really try not to. But if you have to, it's still a risk-based decision. And the thing to remember about companies is they're there for their shareholders. That is why they're there. So until we, until and unless we actually change the law, and then we may have shadow payments, you know, that could happen. But we don't want to be pushing people into that corner either. But until unless yeah, we change I'm, the law, it's not actually illegal. I'm thinking of that scene from Fight Club when Edward Norton talks to the guy next to him because he works for an insurance company. He says something to the effect of, you know, the cost of the average settlement for a car uh, accident is X. You know, the mm-hmm. likelihood of an incident happening is Y. We multiply X times Y. We, we compare that to the cost of a, a recall. And if the recall is cheaper, then we do the recall. But if not, we don't. So it's, I think it's similar to that, that Caesars was doing the math in their head. Like, okay, we can pay out 15 million, but if we're down for even a day and a half and we think we'll be down for a week, we're going to be in the triple, you know, the nine figure losses here. So that, that that's what I think is going on in their head. And it, it's but see a that, that decision. cynicism from fight club is great because yeah. you know that the, the recall they didn't do their people died. So yeah. you look, you look at things like um, the baby product industry. And if, if, if somebody, if a child dies, they bring the product back or if the child gets injured and they fix it, 
and then they change the run. It's very expensive. That's why baby products are so expensive. Yeah. So it's kind of in the business model anyway. That's why you shouldn't use car seat from first child for the second child. Because yeah. they, what they're doing is they're doing the Pareto chart. And as they get the data, they really do pare it down. So that's that's the other end of the risk scale from the Fight Club example, right? Because we don't like dead babies, basically. Yeah, I don't know if anyone that would one? argue that. So, <laughs> where, so where does so where does so where does ransomware does ransomware? We don't like dead babies, but we like cheap car seats. <laughs> does ransomware go at the at the cynical end of the spectrum, and or does it go at the dead babies end of the spectrum? And I suspect it varies greatly because we're talking about a heck of a lot of companies uh, and government yeah. organizations lumped in. Yeah, I mean, the report came out. September was the worst month ever for ransomware attacks. Part of it had to do with, I think it was the move it vulnerability, but over 500, yeah. over 500 attacks in September, which is more than 10 a day. Like it's, it's, it's the problem's getting worse. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's an, it's a, it's a gangbusters industry, right? Literally, it's just going huge. I don't know. Has there ever been a time where two companies, in the exact same vertical or compromise, like in the same week, like MGM and Caesars. Like I, I don't know, and I can't wait for the the final the write up week. on that. In the same, yeah, like same week, and they had two different, two completely polar opposite outcomes of that. I, I just, I'm, I'm dying to know. I've, I've seen ever... two get hacked near each other, but um, on the same week, man. Now I'm going to yeah, make thinking better. One will last, occur to me as soon as we get off this podcast, but I'm sure last last year the Lapsus kids they hit Ubisoft and Rockstar almost at the same time. They're both video game developers, but Lapsus wasn't really financially motivated. They were more of just internet clout because I don't think they ever got paid. They hit Uber, they hit Samsung, they hit a whole bunch of companies, and I don't think they ever got paid. They hit Microsoft, they stole the Cortana source code, but to my knowledge, I don't think they got it, paid. But I, but you've got a quite quite a few criteria. You want the same sector, you want the same week, and you want same kind of attack and different outcomes. So, I guess the um, different outcomes, right? One, yeah, one that actually paid, and one that didn't, right? It's, hmm. it's such an interesting. Uh, or a company out. that went out of business and one that didn't, right? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I think so. Even if it wasn't ransomware, I mean. If you compare something like H, didn't HP Gary get hit at the same time as someone else when that happened, and one went out of business and one didn't? I have to go back and look. Yeah, yeah, not sure about that one. No, yeah, I'm too old. old. We had Colonial Pipeline and JBS Foods. They're around oh, the same yeah. time as well. They were around the same time. Different they're both industries. Cri- they're both, but they're both critical infrastructure. Critical infrastructure. Yeah, when I can't get my steak, when I can't pump my gas. Hmm. That's a wide. But don't don't mix the two though. up. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pump your stake and eat your gas. Yeah. It doesn't so matter. since the U.S. has pl- pledged to not pay ransom for any city name, does this mean that the the bullseye is just shifted focus? Where it's like, well, we're just not going to go know for what? cities I, anymore. I think the result's going to – I mean, I don't think the bad guys will actually change their behavior until they until they start seeing it hit them in the pocketbook, right? Until until they start – oh, look, people aren't paying. Let's move the target somewhere else. Well, either that or the, or the punishment becomes deeper, right? Like, for instance – Maybe mm-hmm. they get fat, they get classified as a terrorist organization, and now they've got full governments looking after, looking for them. The whole yeah, well, they, Interpol. Yeah. There's serious consequences for executives that funnel money, or for anybody that's a citizen that funnels yeah. money to a terrorist organization. So nobody wants to be. You're 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 spot on, right? So if that happens, hey, paying a ransomware, you know, gang or cartel, I used to call them, uh, money is gonna. Be the same as paying a terrorist organization, and you'll be treated as such under the law. 
Oops. Yeah, you might see a change in behavior. It's like the Someone's gonna U.S. Fight Treasury. That. We keep the sanctions list. So, like, Evil Corp is a ransomware group. It's illegal to pay <laughs> Evil Evil Corp. But it's there, yeah, there are ways it, around it. You pay the intermediary. Ju- the intermediary pays Evil Corp. Well, that's the sh- that's yeah, the shadow payments. That that's exactly. so, so you might see a change in behavior about. until it's litigated. And then there, I'm not a lawyer. I'm going to say that probably a couple times on this podcast. But I suspect the word we care about here is jurisprudence. How will it play out in the courts? And if the courts mm-hmm. uphold that, then it will have a big impact. And if the courts say, hey, wait a minute, we don't know for sure that that was a terrorist organization and so it doesn't stick unless the burden of proof is there to say that it was in an actual court case, so-and-so versus such-and-such, unless that happens, then it, if, if it goes the other way, then I could see it actually not being upheld. So, you know, did, the law would have an effect, but the jurisprudence would really be telling. You know, speaking of uh, the cartel, and all that mm. good stuff. Sam, Sam, Sam Bankman Freed was. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. guilty. Yeah, oh, he I'm said guilty. some dumb things, though. <sighs> Hundred <laughs> years. Wait a second. Yeah, Do you I, say, like, he said dumb things, like you were on his side, like you were hoping that he was going to get off? No, I, I mean. Okay. Yeah, he, <laughs> he was just, wrong he and he said dumb things. Like, <laughs> like yeah, He didn't do himself any favors on the. Mm-hmm. He's like, here's yeah. some nails for the coffin, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, like the, what actually, the Michael Lewis thing? wrote a pretty good book about it. What's it called? Going Infinite, I think it was called. Yeah, my, I had that one on my I'm, I'm like list. halfway through it on my airplane ride, so. Yeah. Yeah. Can you quote anything dumb that he had said? That Michael Lewis said? Not a thing, because. No, no, that Sam Bankman's. For, yeah. Nah, nah, but I. Okay. Um, I saw some, and he had to have, and he was trying to sort of win hearts and minds from, from what I could tell, but I'm like, are you really talking about, like, what you did? This, are your lawyers not shutting you up? Like, just in principle. Well, yeah. Well, one of the things that I heard was, you know, like three people that turned against him, right? For, for, um, his CFO, his oh, yeah, Caroline Allison, and the head of risk right. management. And they, and they said, they hey, he knew. Risk management. Wow. Yeah. yeah. They said he knew. And then he walked up and when he, when he, uh, when he was, uh, you know, telling the story, he was like, no, I, I don't remember that. Or, and it just, the, the, the case just did not add up in his favor. Mm. So, no. This is a losing battle. I think everybody knew. They they said that what was it? The the jury took seven hours to deliberate and found him guilty. It was like quick. Bernie Bernie Madoff took four days. Elizabeth Holmes took seven days. This guy got seven hours and like this is a slam dunk. He's guilty. Everybody's like, let's go. That was home. long. That was long enough. And to that's lunch. The lunch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I think uh, New York Post said that he SBF claimed I don't recall a hundred times in court. But yeah, then I guess yeah. other people are quoting him and saying like, uh, "F regulators," and <laughs> they're a bunch of dumb mother. Efforts. That's not a good. That's not a good look. <laughs> it's like, mm. I would be like the worst witness. Like, did did Chris <laughs> Louie ever say this? I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't, like I don't think about that stuff at all. By the way, hum- human beings are the worst form of testimony because we we are not good recording devices. It's true. Yeah, I remember I know, in, in high school. Yeah. They did an experiment where the teacher was teaching and then like a student came in and handed her a piece of paper and then left. And then the next day they asked all the students, what did the student that came in and handed me something look like? And there was, you know, 30 students in the class. They got 30 different descriptions of the person. Mm. There were, they did an experiment after 9-11 and I don't know the reference. We have to look it up after. So, And by the way, because humans are bad recording mechanisms, I may have this wrong. But apparently where people wrote the experience by a thousand people. 
And then 10 years later, they had them rewrite their experience. And something like 65 to 70% were radically different written experiences. Yeah. Not not a little different, like radically different. I think yeah. so. I can't tell you what I had for dinner last night. So I, I don't know what I'd say tomorrow or five years from now. So, All right. For our second topic, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, or SEC, charged SolarWinds with defrauding investors by allegedly concealing cybersecurity defense issues before December 2020 when they were hacked by APT29, the Russian Foreign Intelligence Service commonly referred to as SVR. APT29 APT orchestrated a supply chain attack to infect SolarWinds update servers to push out a malicious update to all of SolarWinds customers. The SEC claims SolarWinds failed to notify investors about cybersecurity risks and poor practices that its chief information security officer knew about. It's important to note that SolarWinds CISO, Tim Brown, is also being personally charged. This comes after the SEC sent Wells notices earlier this year that enforcement action would be coming. The SEC cites as evidence internal emails from security engineers to the CISO telling him that their security posture was woefully inadequate and that they were unable to keep up with even things like software patches for their environment. That's every CISO out there. Every Mm -hmm. engineer is telling them that you don't have enough security and it's a balance. Or the CISOs are pushing on them going, hey, playing devil's advocate, prove to me we don't. That's true too. Yeah. So I I remember this. I remember the sunburst attack really, really well. Um, And I remember the lame excuses from the company about, ooh, an intern and a bad password business. Um, Yeah. <clears throat> you know, blame uh, on the it, intern. So, so this one, it's as we as we record this, we're like four days after after the SEC did a press release on this, and it's all that CISOs are talking about right now. Much like when Joe Sullivan had his thing at Uber, it, although yeah. in in Joe's case, he was a former attor- uh, assistant attorney general and prosecutor, so he knew what he was doing, right? Like it's different and. And Sullivan was case, criminally charged, and Tim Brown is being civilly charged. So it's, that, there's a difference there too. And um, so, th- so I think it's important to actually pull some of the elements we started with. First, you said alleged. That's important, right? Innocent until proven guilty. Secondly, jurisprudence here is going to be crucial, and the rationale around the decision and seeing the evidence is what matters. Because already there's very strong opinions being posted one way or the other on very little information. Well, I think that's right. a that's our, our problem, right? We want to villainize people. Right? Or heroize yeah. 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 them, right? Because yeah. the tribe, as it were, by which I mean the, the cybersecurity tribe, really got extremely defensive about around Joe Sullivan. And it wasn't a good look for us either. At the time, yeah. I, I did not. I went on the record with a blog that was quite nasty and whatever. But uh, we as a tribe went, the sky is falling here. And it wasn't, right? There was due process involved. And, and you know, what happened, what happened. 
But in yeah, this case, people are saying, like, am I going to go to jail because a data breach happened under my watch? And in Sullivan's case, like, no, no, the, the data breach wasn't the bad part. It was the cover up. As long as you don't it cover was, it, it up was the according the so now that time has gone by, if you look at that one, it was the fact that he lied to the FBI. Yeah. It was the fact that he he tried to pass it off as a white hack payment. It was the fact that he didn't inform certain people correctly. Right. I mean, so those things are serious. Yeah. Um, now, let's look at this case. Um, what are people scared of? Well, well, there's there's some things in here people are scared of, and then there's some things that are we really need answers on, and we'll get to those second, I think. So some of the stuff you read, like, all right, so they were doing an IPO, and um, it would appear that he raised some things that needed addressing and wasn't given budget for it. Okay, CISOs do that. Uh, it would appear, by the way, that from what we've heard, did he go back and do a counter? So what you do is you, you typically say, we've got these risks. There could be reputational risks. There could be financial risks. And, and it's saying it like that's a smoking gun. Well, that's not. That's what CISOs bring up for approval and to get budget. And sometimes they accept the risk and sometimes they don't. So what was the verdict when he did that? He's supposed to do that. And that's not in the data that we've been given so far. Then they go back and they say, well, what countermeasures can I have? And then you have a residual risk. What was the residual risk? We don't know that either. Um, then supposedly, he didn't say to the SEC, hey, or in the filings, not, not even the 8K yet, didn't, he actually said, hey, there's no material risk. But now we have the more serious stuff, that the 8K filing, the timing matters. When did they do it with respect to when they knew they had a breach? Because they should have, if that had happened, they should have disclosed it. So who didn't do that? Was it Tim? I, who knows? We don't know outside. Then the other one is more serious, which is, did he profit from holding it back? Um, and if and it was it just him? These are things we don't know yet, and nor should we. So I go back to that well, jurist advice that I got and mentioned earlier. We should suspend judgment and absorb facts right now. But that's not sexy, right? Yeah, everyone's, like you said, I've, I've also seen some pretty strong opinions online that says, do I even want to be a CISO? If I do the wrong thing or say the wrong thing, am I now going to be civilly charged by the SEC? Or should I have my engineers just call me? Don't tell me I have a cyber problem in email or written down anywhere. Don't text me. Don't email me. Don't instant message me. Pick up the phone and call me so they they can't be discovered later. So, so uh, on the... Go ahead. Uh, on a civil on a civil standpoint, right? There's no jail time for him. It's just monetary versus criminal, which could be tried in jail, or could they turn this around if they find him guilty on civil that they take this and, and go criminal with it? I think they um, could move move to criminal. the The part that is scaring the CISOs the most, I feel, at least, is my opinion, is the fact that he could be barred from being a director or an officer at any other publicly traded company. So the SEC has that capability, like Elizabeth Holmes. She can never be a director or a, a an executive at any publicly traded company. So we also have the, uh, I, I also want to see how did these investigators, because I don't know, are they cyber experts? My suspicion is not, but I don't know. Um, how did they determine that the risk was unacceptable? Was it Was it that in the documents they saw, it said, moderate or high risk or very high or critical risk or was it the fact that hey it actually got exploited and that's not right so like if you ask someone hey is it wise to buy a lottery ticket and they say no it's not a wise decision right you buy one for the fun of it or whatever if that's your get rich plan good luck 
Now, if you ask the same question, yeah, so if you say, hey, Deech won the lottery, was it wise for him to buy a ticket? The answer, by the way, is still no. It was lucky for him to buy the lottery ticket. It wasn't wise. And that's super important because when you decide, was it okay to accept the risk, you have to ask it based on the information you had then, not whether or not they would get, their lottery ticket would get punched. Not hindsight so being twenty twenty. Fascinated by like how that. Yeah. exactly. So how how are they how is how are the how are the investigators judging that this was an unacceptable risk? Was it based on what was said or the outcome? Because if it's one in a thousand chance and that's an acceptable risk, but they happen to be the one in a thousand, or there were factors they didn't know at the time, that's not the same as they took an unacceptable risk and didn't disclose it. Yeah. One one of the things I I saw specifically in the SEC filing was talking about SolarWinds' password policy, like their password complexity rules. And, you know, I've invested in companies. I buy publicly traded companies. I have never asked a company, what is your password complexity policy? Nor would it ever affect my judgment on whether to invest in a company or not. Yeah, that that's, yeah, it's, um, the password policy alone isn't going to lead to the end. Uh, there's more to, and if you, and if, actually, if you look at, you know, if there's a campaign against a company, they're going to get in. The question is, where do they go from there? And so you look at some of the statements now. One of the things he was asking could have been a question about perimeter being brittle. Every company that has a perimeter strategy is brittle. Was he asking, should we have a zero trust strategy? I, I we haven't seen the data, right? Uh, Almost every VPN on earth has vulnerabilities that when compromised, they're into the juicy interior. So it doesn't matter if it was an identity vulnerability or if it was a machine vulnerability. Eventually, that his statement's not factually wrong. Now, there were some other statements he made that seemed to have been made, um, like that he said he admitted that he lied in a communication. That is also not a good look, right? So what was the context of that? Um you know, there's also work documents and whether or not you have attorney-client privilege. Another lesson from all this may be, if you're dealing with this sort of thing, be super careful how you phrase things. Don't use hyperbole. Don't exaggerate. You know, and, and maybe maybe that's a lesson we in the cyber industry need to take to heart. Like, stop saying, oh, we're Swiss cheese and somebody could walk all over us because that email <laughs> will turn up a in four door. years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the bottom of the boat has a screen door in it. Not a good thing to say. Just so you can get some budget, because then when you don't and something happens, it's going to turn up in discovery. This is why I would never be a good CISO. I think I get in trouble. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I love hyperbole. hyperbole. Um, yeah, and I still said it wrong, but whatever. I, you know, what's funny is uh, as, as as you guys say this, it, it brings me back to uh, something that I actually learned from my son like years ago, and he he can't like he was coming home from the bus stop. Gets in a little bit later than normal. Uh, just walks in, starts making a quesadilla, asks him how his day was going. He's like, it's fine. Blah, blah, blah. And then I, you know, maybe like 10 minutes later, I get a phone call from my neighbor. I pick up the phone. Or actually, he texts me. He's like, hey, man, can we talk real quick? I was like, sure. So he calls me up. He says, uh, yeah, I was sitting in my office and uh, I saw your son walking by my house. And earlier that day, the wind had kicked up and it had blown over the garbage can. There's trash kind of like everywhere. And he goes, your son 
on, on the way back home to your house, he stopped. He, he picked up all the garbage in my front yard, put the, the garbage can back up, and then just proceeded to walk back to the house. And what I learned from my son in that moment is, is that you just do the right thing even when you think nobody's watching, right? I think yeah. this is 100% why he'll always be a better person than I will ever be in life. And I, in that moment, like forward, I always kind of thought like, it was a valuable lesson for me. Like he got some, you know, the, you know, couple, you know, the, uh, the old attaboy. Right. But he wasn't looking for it. He was just do, trying to stick yeah. to just doing the right thing. And I think All regardless of your guy. position. Yeah. Regardless Brian, of your do, position. Brian, do, like, do you regret yeah. knocking over the garbage can in the first place? <laughs> he drove over it. I, 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 He's right the one that yeah. I caused it. You know, you guys read between the lines, but I think that's uh, how we should always operate, especially yeah. if you're being documented. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like this, you know, so, something's going on right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So always okay. do the right thing. Always do the right thing. Yeah, totally. That's a really good, really good story. I hope my kids behave that way, honestly. So, so we're talking about the CISO Timothy Brown, right? And you're mm-hmm. you're referring to him as Tim. Like, do you know him? Like, I, mm-hmm. I know the CISO. You do, okay? Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And in fact, I've spoken to five or six CISOs who shall remain nameless because they haven't given permission for it this week of large companies. Uh, that's all we talked about this week, pretty much. Besides, of course, the necessary business talk. But yeah, we went out of our way to chat um, about this stuff um, because we're all like, so is the message you can accept no risk? Is that gonna or do we have to point and shoot? And by the way, another conversation we've been having, um, we have signal groups amongst ourselves. We also have Slack channels. And so we've all been saying, should we get personal insurance for this stuff? You know, is it time for, a, does it, is this covered by DNO, uh, directors and officers insurance? Um, and, um, you know, will our companies in many cases defend us? And this is, um, this is super important because I, I was actually talking um Tuesday with John Oltzik at ESG, he did some uh, research into things like burnout. And you, he said, according to his data, 37% of CISOs uh, have, have considered or or have or will quit their jobs because of this early. Um, so, and then he breaks it down and so on. That's a large number, guys. That's, yeah, that's uh, one in three. That's a horrible yeah. waste. Um, yeah. I certainly have... Uh, I, and. Not to get doom and gloom, I know two who have committed suicide. I have friends who've gone to mm. other jobs. One went and became a carpenter. Another went into the coffee industry and then came back. Um, like the, the, It's that gap between security and the business that when you know these things and you push and you don't get the support back or worse, and I know where this has happened a lot, where you go to make your presentation to the board or the C-level and you're assigned the legal counsel to make sure that nothing goes on the official record that looks like that. No. Now they're not. They're not. They're not. They're not removing what you're saying. They're helping you phrase it in a way that doesn't look like this. And I've heard that from CISOs. And they're like, "So what do I do there? Do I push and know that they're just going to find another CISO, or do I stay and have the fight to try to get it addressed anyway? And do I try to find countermeasures? Like, what is the duty in that instance?" Um, so, so those I, those conversations are happening. Uh, they've always been happening, but now they've been driven to the to the forefront again. Yeah, I, I always joke with the the boys on on Slack that I work for the, the at the end of the day, I work for the bank of Brian Deach, right? I, I wholeheartedly believe that if I get killed by some random garbage truck, right, they're going to have no problem backfilling my position. They'll find someone else to do my job, right? And so you look at this, and I think you always have to be hyper aware, right? Do you carry that DNO insurance? Do you? 
cover your ass in every single aspect, right? I think you'd be like almost hyper aware of everything that's going on around you. And my, I guess my question to you, Sam, would be, would you ever go back to the customer side in a CISO role ever again? Or is there too yeah, much liability? Absolutely. Here? You would. You absolutely. would. Wow. This guy's fearless. Yeah. So you're not Cause, one, cause, you're not the one third. No, I'm not. I'm not a selfish <laughs> prick like you are, Brian. I, uh, no. <laughs> I'm more like your son. No, I, I, I think, I think we're working it out now as an industry. It's not, it's not a foregone conclusion. I have sat in situations and had to make decisions where I was pretty sure the bank of Sam was going out of business. Um, but life went on. I had a boss once who told me, uh, I've been in situations that were life-threatening, but I had a boss once who told me, you know, no one's going to die today in a breach moment. And I was like, wait, he's right this time, like, because it wasn't a critical infrastructure and it wasn't government. And I'm like, okay, that actually helped to calm. Um, and I have a certain CISO calmness when crisis hits. But for a while, I worked for people who expected your body language to telegraph the anxiety of a situation. You you were expected to to show the anxiety of it and and i had a boss who did the opposite and he said hey you be even keel i don't expect you to telegraph to me the urgency through your body language and and then i i learned the opposite um i don't know i have a, i have a bit of a boy scout in me um i mean i don't mean that literally of course uh but i i have <laughs> I this neat, uh, yeah really <laughs> but i have this i have this run to problems i've had my whole life and um I didn't choose to go into cyber. I, I was in it and then I stayed in it and I, and I kept it. I have an attitude of find a way to say yes to things. Um, and I've taken on undue risk as a result, probably the at post facto, I would say, why did I do that? In fact, I have done that. But so it, Brian, this could yeah, open I, 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 I would keep right? doing it. Yeah. This could open the door too. Right. So, I mean, as, as new CISOs come online, taking these roles, they'll interviews with these companies and go, I, you know, open the door with me, open the door to me and I'm going to look in. And if I don't see something I like, it's a bad negotiation. I'm not going oh, yeah. to work for you. Well, right? well, it, yeah. it goes two ways, right? It's my liability. Well, so the funny thing is yeah. I fight to get risk yeah. off of companies' backs and to reduce it. But in my case, I have to take risk to do that personal risk. So mm -hmm. I have, I have a much higher risk tolerance personally in a smaller scale than I usually take for the companies I work for. So the, the whole like body language thing and, and stuff like no one's going to mm -hmm. die today, that statement, I agree to it to a certain extent, because I think at the end of the day, someone's going to be left holding the bag, right? And maybe mm -hmm. you don't lose your job, but maybe somebody else does. In, 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 oh, in by the way, events. losing your job is fine. Like you can't, there well, are other jobs. It's scary, well, but death is more scary. But here's the thing. So let's say that you don't lose your job in this, but at the end of the day, somebody has to be fired for it for whatever reason. There's been points in my life, like right, where, like if I if I would have lost my job, I probably would have killed myself, right? Like that's like like it was so bad, right? Like I was barely making it, and if you mm. and if you pass that bag down to somebody, like it could impact them like that. Like you you never know someone's life and and how stressed Absolutely. they are. Yeah. You know what I mean? I I always assume that the job is super important to people when their jobs are on the line. Um, myself, I had kids later in life. I was mm -hmm. 41 when I had my first child. Um, so I was better financially off than say my younger brother who had his first child when he was 24. So like, I realized the risk equation is different personally, but, um, uh, but when I was younger, um, I had, I had this certainty that there was no job necessarily there, but that I would do anything necessary to 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 continue to 
make enough money to live. But it, but it was this, it was quite the opposite. It was like because I had certainty that there was no necessary job, there was no entitlement, there was no guarantee of a job. Therefore, this is it. Do the best you can with it, and if you lose it, oh well. Yeah, which, sounds, that, which is counterintuitive, I suppose. But I think part I have a of question. The Go ahead. Reason. Please of at least what, what i think of why CISOs say they they're not sure if they want to stay they're not sure if they want to change is are they empowered are they empowered by the board are they empowered by the c-suite to actually secure an organization because as a CISO, i can have a grand strategy of how i'm going to make this place airtight but then if i don't have the support that i can't implement these changes i don't have the budget i don't have the cultural backing that we're going to implement security that's going to inconvenience our users that's also going to have to weigh on them well, historically and generally, no, but it's improving. Um, yeah. And, and it's it, that's a huge statement because it's such a general statement. But the biggest problem in our industry is that gap between security and the business. And some people learn how to cross it. Some people learn how to compromise in crossing it. And by that, I don't mean give up. I mean, it takes compromise. They learn how to become business people to cross it, and they have to. Uh, but the, the problem still exists. And most, most boards, they sit there and they go, okay, so we've got lots of risk. We've got financial and legal and operational risk. And then, by the way, we've got other things we're supposed to do, like, I don't know, make money, improve customer satisfaction, improve employee efficiency. How do we balance these? At some point, there's a layer of cyber risk we take. We, we, don't, we don't go to zero because yeah. you can't go to zero. So where you do you stop? You need every 100% coverage. Yeah. Right. So so when do you hire a new salesperson or when do you roll out a new service or when do you buy a new control for security? And that has to be a balanced conversation. In order to do that, the CISO has to cross that gap. Yeah. And most haven't, to be fair. And so it's really hard for boards to reach back or for CISOs to go forward. Um, and that, that's a big problem today. Yeah, and just like you said, CISOs have to become more business-minded and the boards have to become more cyber-minded. I think it's going to be a meet-in-the-middle approach. Um, yeah, and actually, I, I was actually talking to a board member who said uh, he felt that the, re the, the SEC ruling before this about disclosure was, was going to both be, do a disservice to the cyber industry because boards would be like, unless it's material, I don't want to know about it because... Um, materiality is what's required that's now the bar so please don't bother me unless it's that on top of that they now have to have a meeting at least once a quarter really to be on top of this so it is really distracting and painful to the board and they have to learn a whole new set of skills as well this is this is he saw it as a burden on boards more than on cyber and disempowering the board members saw this yeah not really a question, but just, uh, well, I guess maybe a little bit. And it has less to do with, you know, this subject in general, but just about like working for companies and, and uh, you know, the Bank of Brian Deitch. I guess that statement made me think about. I have to open an account there. Yeah. It sounds yeah. sound like you know how to manage money. Well. The FDIC insured. <laughs> Forget <laughs> opening an account. I just want to make a withdrawal. Yeah, that's right. I, I think the reason why I feel that way, and I'm curious if you guys ever did this. So back in the day, like my first job, when I worked at U.S. Airways, my loyalty was like through the roof, right? Like I would have, if somebody from Delta would have walked in, I probably would have, fought, you know, tried to fight them, right? Like it was this, it was like, does Pop the Coke, the Coke guy, you know, at, <laughs> at the store, if he sees the Pepsi guy, does he want to fight him? Like is, is that kind of mentality? UPS, FedEx. 
<laughs> yeah, UPS, FedEx, exactly. Now and you're hopping I, airlines all the time. Then where is it? Yeah, yeah. But I, I do like. But at some point in time, I was jaded, right? And I felt like I found out that they didn't care about me at all, right? And then that's when I kind of figured out. Wait a second, it's 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 not about them. It really is about me. Were you guys any of the three of you? Did you guys ever have like that loyalty? towards that company at some point in time and then eventually just kind of they burned that bridge and kind of ruined you for everyone else thereafter it's part of the, i think it's part of the maturity model right like you you when you're first starting out you're trying to settle yourself i don't know if it's necessarily this generation the, the generation that we have today growing up is is like that but i grew up at a generation where my parents told me you know go to school get a job work for that job you'll retire there and that's not necessarily the case anymore yeah, it used to be that companies would take care of you. You got pension. You know, you take care of us. We'll take care of you. Now we're you know at will, and anybody can leave anytime they want. There's no loyalty. It's 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 definitely different. Like I, I remember when I got laid off from my first job. There's the saying: you haven't made it in Silicon Valley until you've been rift, which means you've been been laid off. Reduction and in seeing, force. Yeah, reduction in force, and seeing the spectrum of emotions through my team because they're. Like, 15 of us let go that day and there's these young kids first job out of college and they were absolutely devastated and then there's these people that have been here for a while and they're they just took it as like yep it happens i'll, I'll find they're something like, new. cover paperwork please yep exactly <laughs> so i was lucky my first uh my first job post-college as opposed to before because i had joe jobs and like in government stuff and whatever but after college it was a startup so I was like, I was into it, into it. There were like, there were eight of us. We never had VC and we just lived it. And we sold the company to McAfee. And so <clears throat> I went under, I went there under some really weird circumstances, uh, which kind of catapulted my career. So I've, I've always been extremely loyal to my companies, but actually my first loyalty has always been to the people that work for me. And, and I, I'm not just saying that, and I know that's not very popular, but I work for those people, really. And um, I've stayed friends with them. Most of them have passed me in my career in some way. And so that's been far more rewarding than any company. And I'm not just motherhood and apple pieing that. Like, I want to see them do well. I try to give them heads up when a riff is coming. I help them with references. I hire, you know, I hire them again. I've got at least at least a dozen employees, maybe more who become CISOs. So yeah. You're a leader. You're not a manager. You're a leader. That would be, I would be a bit presumptuous of me to say about myself, but, uh, <laughs> we'll say yeah, it for I, you. I, 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 that's, that's kind of you, but, but, um, I just, I have this thing that I, and it's a weakness. I see the best in people and I sometimes take too long to make tough decisions when they aren't really pointed in the right direction and and that has hurt me too in the past so sometimes people are not giving it their all they don't give a damn and i'm still trying to bring out the best and and that's a bit of a rosy view of things but when i see someone i think hey they can achieve this these amazing things i'm their best cheerleader very often but that's so you're you're literally the second CISO that has taken that position so chris ought to bleep it out but did did you know the CISO or the former CISO? he works at a now who was that i had to look it up um alex but he was an interesting what's that alex stamos uh alex, yeah, but... no he was there for a very brief amount of time and again you gotta edit out 
or at least bleep these names because I don't want to throw them out there. But it was interesting. Like we're do inappropriate bleeping. Yeah. And unnecessary censorship. <laughs> but I was I was talking with him. Sounds I was like, like California. Why, why on earth did you go from from there over to here? And he said, I, st- I I fundamentally didn't agree with like the way that the business was going. So number one, you're like, holy crap! Like you're a CISO and you care about that. And then two, he's like, I think we were hiring too much. And then if you're going to hire too much, at some point in time, you're probably going to do a riff which they did. And at that point in time, when they did the riff, he's like, I just, you're hurting people that I care about. So I, I can't be a part of this. And he left. And that to me, like that is so virtuous. Like, I was so blown away by it. And so when you say that as well, Sam, I'm like, all right, I get it. I get it. So maybe that's just kind of a narrative that more CISOs have. Bye Glenn. Glenn has to go. All right. Bye Glenn. We love you. Cheers. Bye Glenn. Cheers. All right. And probably close it out. We're approaching an hour. We continue to get great comments about our dad joke of the week. Dad joke of the week. Oh, this week yeah, our guest jokes. Sam is up. You know, I don't actually know all the dad jokes of past episodes because I haven't caught up. So my apologies if you heard this one before. But why can't melons get married? Why? why? <laughs> um. <laughs> now I'm gonna get it wrong. Hang on. Um. <laughs> That baby oh no! Cantaloupe. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> because the cantaloupe. I was talking to my daughter, and, and I had told this joke like a month ago. She's like, "Oh, the cantaloupe one," and I was like, "Yeah, I'll do that one." Um, yeah, and I just had a, like a total space there. So, yeah. oh good. So the credit goes to my daughter Scarlett. She's awesome. Good job, Scarlett. Sounds awesome. Mm. All right, to wrap things up, banning ransomware payments will not stop ransomware. Surprise, surprise. And the SEC has an uphill battle to convict the SolarWinds CISO. That's all I have for this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find us all on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. Follow us on Instagram at Pebcac Podcast. Thank you to all the listeners and subscribers who raised five stars in the iTunes store and Spotify and left us a review. We appreciate you all spreading the word to help grow the show. The best way to find us is to search for the Pebcac Podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. My co-host Brian Deach and Glenn Medina and our guest, Sam Curry, I'm Chris Louie. Thanks for listening. See you all next weekend. As always, have a nice day. Honorary by Felicia since Chris, uh, since Glenn has dropped. And ah, Sam, thanks for showing up, bro. Oh, you did a good that job. That was fun. Yeah, thanks, Sam. Have a nice day.